right, Genesis 3, if you got your Bibles, you guys can turn there. Is that's where we're gonna, that's where we're gonna start. How many of you in here, in Deland, online, how many of you are colorblind? I am amazed at how few people are colorblind. I'm colorblind. And what that means is I can see color. I can see tons of different colors here. But the problem is I can't differentiate them. So I have a hard time when a light is flashing yellow or red to know what the difference is. Yeah, which makes driving really complicated. Um, I can't tell. I, I struggle with the difference between green and brown, uh, pink and red. And let's be honest. Isn't blue and purple just the same color, right? Like that's, and that's how I see the world. I struggle with differentiating color, uh, which can be frustrating at times, but it's sort of the lens in which I see the world through. There's a thing called a worldview, right? A worldview is basically the view of the world that individuals have based upon a set of, a set of information that they gather over a bunch of different topics. Right. And basically it lends itself to how people then interpret what they see happening in the world. Let me show you just a, an example here. So a worldview is basically a foundational mindset. Maybe you can't articulate it. Right. But a, but a worldview impacts what we believe. It impacts our values, which ultimately impacts our behavior. So even though you may not know or be able to articulate your worldview, it doesn't take much investigation into a person's behavior to know what a person's worldview is. Here's another example with questions. So what a worldview actually answers is, what is real, right? What is real around you? Then the beliefs that you develop off of that answer the question about what is true, right? What do you make of your foundational truths? The values that you develop from that tell you what is good. And ultimately your behavior tells you what we do. And so let's be clear. If you're in here today online in the land, if you know Jesus, have accepted him as your Lord and Savior, let me hear you say amen. amen. Listen, let's make no, no bones about this. If you're a believer, a Christian, listen, it is God's expectation from his word that you and I have a biblical worldview. Meaning that the what we believe and what we value and what we do is based upon what we learn from this book. And what you hear from Pastor Joe a lot and myself at times is that we have churches that want Jesus, but they don't want a biblical worldview. That there are so many churches today that are willing to say that the Bible isn't true, but Jesus will take. In God's world, that's unacceptable. God's world is about having a biblical worldview. And the thing about Genesis and why preaching it is so important is because within the first 11 chapters of Genesis, you build what is primarily the biblical worldview for most Christians. I mean, the worldview asks questions like, is there a deity? Is there a deity? Well, listen, four verses into the book, we know what our worldview says. In the beginning, God. Right, right off the bat, our worldview says absolutely there's a deity. One of the questions that a worldview answers is how did we get here? What is the origin of my existence, of mankind's existence? Right? God created man. 
God created them male and female. We know immediately our worldview says that we know how we got here. And so you go through scripture. We learned in chapter two, our worldview of marriage and sexuality. He made them male and female. We know what a biblical worldview says about those things. We learned last week what God's view of life is. Right, And so as you answer those questions, one of the questions that a worldview will always ask is this. What's wrong with our world and what can we do to fix it? What's wrong with our world and how can we fix it? Well, Genesis chapter 3 answers that question from a biblical worldview. And that's what we want to take a look at today is what, what does God's word say from a biblical worldview about How did the world get into this mess? Because I don't know if you've watched the news lately, especially within the borders of our country, but have you asked the question lately of the United States of America that you're living in? How in the world did we get here? Has anybody asked that lately? Yeah, it's... And have you asked it more frequently in the last five years than you ever have in your entire life? Yeah, there's a lot going on. So how did we get here? Well, depending upon your worldview, your answer is going to be different. But biblically, God tells us exactly how we got here. And that's found in Genesis chapter 3. But before we jump into Genesis 3, let me just set a little bit of background. So God created the angels to serve him in heaven according to scripture. One of those angels, his name was Lucifer. Right? Lucifer, who we now know as Satan, was a created angel made by God with a specific purpose. Prophet Isaiah writes this about, about Satan and says this, How you have fallen from heaven, O morning star, son of the dawn. You've been cast down to the earth, you who once laid low the nations. You said in your heart, this is Satan, you said in your heart, I'm going to ascend to heaven. And I'm going to raise my throne above the stars of God. I'm going to sit enthroned on the mount of the assembly. On the utmost heights of the sacred mountain. I'm going to ascend above the tops of the clouds. And I'll make myself like the most high. And then Ezekiel, in Ezekiel 28, sort of furthers the description of Satan. And says this, the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, take up and lament concerning the king of Tyre and say to him, this is what the sovereign Lord says. You were the model of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect and beauty. Listen to how God's word describes Lucifer. You were in Eden, the garden of God, and every precious stone adorned you. Ruby, topaz, emerald, chrysolite, onyx and jasper, sapphire, turquoise, and beryl. Your settings and mountings were made of gold. On the day that you were created, these were prepared. You were anointed as a guardian cherub. So Satan's, Lucifer's job was he was a guardian angel. He was made to protect the kingdom and the rule of God. He was made in perfection to do so. God ordained him to do that. He goes on to say this. He says, you were on the holy mountain of God and you walked among the fiery stones. You were blameless in your ways from the day that you were created till wickedness was found in you. Through your widespread trade, you were filled with violence and you sinned. So I drove you in disgrace from the mount of God. I expelled you, O guardian cherub, from among the fiery stones. Your heart became what? 
proud on account of your beauty and you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. So I threw you to the earth. I made a spectacle of you before the kings. So long before Adam and Eve showed up in the garden, Satan has already made his play. And you need to know this when we ask the question, how did we get here? How did we end up in this mess? Listen, Satan decided at some point in time he wanted to be who? He wanted to be God. It wasn't enough to be created in perfection and created and ordained for a purpose to be a guardian cherub to guard the kingdom and rule of God. He wanted it for himself. Paul said it this way in 1 Timothy. He says of Satan in discussing an elder, he says he must not be a recent convert or he may become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. And listen to what John writes in Revelation. The great dragon, who is Satan, was hurled down. That ancient serpent called the devil or Satan. Listen to what Satan does. Satan leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. Listen, Satan has one desire. His desire is to be God. He doesn't doesn't care about you. He doesn't care about me. He has no interest in us. The only thing he cares about is he still wants to be God. And it says, John wrote, that he leads the whole world astray. How did we get here? Because Satan is a master manipulator. And it begins in Genesis chapter 3. So I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to read a couple verses here out of Genesis 3. And uh, then we're just going to spend some time walking through it. It says, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. But God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden. And you must not touch it or you will die. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he walked, was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Adam, so down in verse 20, it says, Adam names his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all the living. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. And the Lord God said, The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. And he drove the man out. He placed on the east side of the garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. You can be seated. So just so you don't miss, just so you don't miss Joe too much, I like to drive and, uh, this fortune a few years ago to get to take a trip with my sister from St. Louis all the way to Sacramento, California driving. We had an absolute blast, 
But we were surprised because when we got into Iowa, we asked about the road, the road we had to travel on, and we asked them if there was anything interesting along the road. And the guy at the gas station says, yeah, down the road a little bit further, you're going to come across, across the farm. It's a Doritos farm. Yeah, I was the same way. I'm like, a Doritos farm? He's like, yeah, there's a Doritos farm down the road. I said, Doritos? The chips? He goes, yeah. I said, I didn't know that they, that they grew those on a farm. And he goes, oh yeah, he goes, so on down the road. So sure enough, my sister and I drove down the road and then there it was, right on the right side of the road was a big old Doritos ranch. And I looked at my sister and I said, or a Doritos farm. I looked at my sister and I said, cool ranch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Listen, I asked Joe last night, I said, give me a joke. And that's his, you know. So, so just so you don't miss him in the land or online or in here, this is, that was, uh, for him. All right. How did we get here? Right? How did we get here? Listen, depending on your worldview, right? You have an answer for that. Biblically, we know how we got here. Satan leads the whole world astray. So how does he do it? Here's the first thing. He goes after God's character. Listen to what he said to Eve. He looked at Eve and he said this to Eve. Remember, Moses had written, Satan was more crafty. More crafty than anyone. John 8 tells us that Jesus said of Satan, he's a liar and the father of lies and there's no truth in him. So listen to what he says to Eve. He says to Eve, right? He says to Eve, did God, did God really say you couldn't eat any of this stuff? Did God really say that? And Eve says, no, no, no. He said we could eat it. We just can't eat of the one tree. We can't even touch it or we're going to die. So why did Satan ask Eve if she couldn't, if God didn't want her to eat anything? Because eventually what Satan's going to do is he's going to ask Eve to question the character of God and his goodness. Right? How many of you have ever asked a question sort of manipulatively and really in asking a question you were trying to ask a different question? Anybody in here ever do that? No, never, never. 6.30 people got it. You probably wouldn't, right? You don't do that, right? But listen to Satan's motive. Hey, Eve, did God say to you you couldn't eat any of this stuff? Right? Eve, is it possible that God's not as good as he says he is? Eve, like, no, no, no. He said we could. We just can't eat that one. We can't touch it or we'll die. And then look what Satan says. Satan says, you will not die. Not only he's questioned God's character of his goodness, he questions his character of truth. I don't know how many of you in here in the land online have ever had your character questioned, but having your character questioned gets at the heart of who you are, right? If somebody questions your integrity, your truthfulness, right? Whether they tr question your character, listen, that offends. Listen, people can be offended or question some of our choices. Amen, church, right? But when they question our character, that gets at the heart of who we are. Listen, Satan's desire is to lead the world astray. How does he do it? He gets you to question the character of God. Is God really good? I don't know about you, but when I buried my son at 22, and when I watched my granddaughter at four deal with leukemia, and when we buried my father at 49, right? There's been multiple seasons in my life where I've wondered about how good God can be with all this going on. 
I don't know if you've seen what's happening in our world today, or I don't know the stories of all of your lives, but my guess is if you have trusted in God, there have been seasons in your life where really bad things have happened, and you've wondered about why, if God is good, does this happen? Does anybody ever wonder about that? Yeah, it's a hard thing. And listen to what God's word says about God's goodness. Here's what it says in Psalm 34. Taste and see that the Lord is what? That the Lord is good. Look what it says in Psalm 25, 8. Good and upright is the Lord. Psalm 107, 1 says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. And Mark 10, 18 says this. Jesus says, why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. Listen, if you're If your worldview is biblical, is God good? Yes. Is God good even when bad things happen to you? Yes. But there are times and seasons that Satan who wants to lead the world astray will get you to ask, is God really good? And what does that boil down to? It really boils down to you trust what God says. Because God's word has told you, and I only read four verses, and you could read tons of verses that say God is good. And it boils down to this. Do you trust God's word? And Satan says explicitly to Eve, God is not trustworthy. You won't die. You won't die. And God had specifically said, you will die. Look what John 17, 17 says about the integrity of God's word. Jesus says, sanctify them by the truth. Everybody in the land online in here, read this with me. Your word is truth. Psalm 119 says this, yet you are near, O Lord, and all your commands are what? They're true. Paul writes in 2 Timothy, all scripture is what? God breathed. It's all there. It's all profitable. It's all true. You see, the way that Satan leads the world to set stray, he started with Eve. And he said, Eve, is God really good? Can he really be trusted? And my guess is that for some of you, you've asked those questions. Is God really good? Listen, I I was confronted with that. I've been confronted with that in my personal life, but I was confronted with that on my first mission trip at Tomoka years ago when I went to Guatemala. And when we were standing in a, in one of the, one of the worst neighborhoods in the Guatemala city in Santa Faz, standing there doing a medical clinic, and I saw my teenage daughter holding, holding a little six or seven year old girl crying who didn't want to go home. And she wanted to stay with us because she knew that when she went home, her and her sister were both going to be molested by her father. I wondered to myself, while my daughter held her and cried, I wonder, is God good? And how does this work? I remember taking my other daughter to Haiti a few years ago, and we stood in a mother, in Mother Teresa's clinic there in Port-au-Prince for malnutrition of these little, little babies. And this ward was full of screaming infants from zero to two years of age who were simply malnutritioned and were going to die. And I watched our team as we stood there and held these crying babies and these overworked and understaffed helpers with these people. And in the midst of that place, I wondered, is God really good? Because if God is good, how do those things last? You see, here's the problem with questioning whether God is good. God's word says he is. And God's word is truth. And if your, if your worldview is biblical, is God good? Yes. All the time. All the time. 
And so there's got to be another reason for all the evil and all the bad and all the hurt in the world. But if your worldview isn't biblical and you see those things and experience those things, you might wonder, is God really good? Well, look what happens to Eve when she wondered if God was good. The second thing that happened was she turned and heard what the world had to say to her. Because the Bible says this, here's what Eve did. She looked at the fruit. Until that moment, she hadn't looked. She hadn't paid attention. Why? Because God's word had told her, don't eat of that tree in the middle or you'll die. She didn't. And then Satan said, is it possible that God's not as good as he says he is? And that maybe he's not as trustworthy as he says he is? And look what Eve did. She looked. She looked. And the Bible says she saw that the fruit would be good to eat. That it pleased her eye and it would make her wise. You see, when she looked away from God, she found a world that was willing to say to her, what she had been looking for. We care about you. Here's the way John said it. John said it, verse John 2, do not love the what? Don't love the world or anything in it, right? Anyone who loves the world, the love of the Father is not in that person. For everything in the world, everything, the lust of the flesh, right? The lust of a man's eyes and the boasting of what he has and what he does comes not from the father, but from the who? From the world and the world and all of his desires are passing away. But the man who does the will of God will live forever. Listen, you start with questioning the character of God. I didn't expect my husband to betray me and walk out on our marriage. I didn't expect to be standing in a funeral home, saying goodbye to my child. I didn't expect to be unemployed and having no income and no work. I didn't expect to go all through all of these tragedies. I didn't expect all of this abuse or all of this betrayal. I didn't bargain for any of this. Maybe God's not as good as everybody at church says he is. And then there's a look. Is there something else? And the world says this, we're here to make you happy. Whatever your flesh wants, whatever your eyes desire, whatever your whatever you covet or whatever you greed, listen, we're here to make that happen. As a matter of fact, the world says we build ad campaigns and commercials for you. You don't like your house, we'll help you get another one. You don't like your car, we'll get you a new one. You don't like your spouse, we'll help you find a new one. Right, you want more food, we'll show you where to get more food. You want some drugs, pornography, alcohol, listen, the world says this, don't look at our character, don't pay attention to our character, listen to our message. And what's the message of the world? Whatever your flesh wants, whatever your eyes desire, and whatever your pride needs, so that you can boast about what you do and what you have, we're here for you. That's exactly how Satan leads the world astray. Listen, I've been walking with the Lord for over 40 years. And I've been preaching for 36. And I've been in so many of these rooms and spaces and online with people. And here's what I know. That there's a lot of people that love Jesus that want their relationship with the Lord to go well. And yet they're struggling to find any traction for it. And here's why. Because James 4 says this. You adulterous people, don't you know that what? Friendship, right? The Greek word phileo, that we have brotherly love from, right? It, it indicates an intimate relationship, right? Don't you know that friendship with the what? 
with the world. And what's the world? It's the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. Don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward who? God. And anyone who chooses to be a friend, again, phileo of the world, becomes a what? Do you know how hard it is to walk with God when he's your enemy? I mean, think about it. Listen, if you're a believer in Jesus in the land in here online, listen, we are in a relationship with him. We have agreed to a covenantal relationship with him. And here's what so many people do. They walk down the street with their girlfriend right in front of him. They're holding hands with the world because guess what? God is supposed to be good, but my job stinks. God is supposed to be good, but my marriage is terrible. God is supposed to be good, but I I want more. I want this. And you know what the world says? Listen, we care about you. Our message is for you. You want more in your flesh? We'll give it to you, right? You want prostitution? We'll make it happen, right? You want underage children for your pleasure? We'll make it happen. You want drugs and alcohol galore will make it happen and we want to be in a relationship with God because we believe in Jesus but we also want to hold hands with our girlfriend and we wonder why it's not working for us that's exactly what happened to Eve she questioned the character of God and she looked at the fruit and she went man that looks like that'll be really good to eat and man my eyes really really want that and man that'll make me smarter And that's everything the world is saying to you today. The problem is the world and everything in it is passing away. It's not going to last. Only the one who does the will of the Father is going to last. So I ask you again, church, is God good? Can he be trusted? Then the reality is we don't need to look anywhere else. Your satisfaction will not be found in what the world offers. No matter what justification you give for loving any part of the world, let's be clear. When you love the world, you got a girlfriend or you got a boyfriend because you're in a relationship with God because of Jesus. And the Bible says friendship with the world means hatred toward God. And what did Jesus say? You can't love two masters. You can't serve two. You got to choose. And Eve chose the fruit. And here's the problem. Look what happens, right? She gets a new companion. Listen, this is to me the most profound verse of this passage. Genesis 3.22 says this. God speaking says this. To, To himself and to the others that make up the Trinity, he says the man has now become like one of us. He's become like who? He's become like God. In what way? He now knows what? Good and evil. And here's what God said. We can't allow him to reach out his hand and take from the tree of life and eat because he'll live forever in the state of knowing good and evil. And what's Exodus 20 verse 1 says? Thou shalt have no other what? God's before me. We can't let this happen. Do you understand that knowing good and evil was never supposed to be something that humans knew? Only God was supposed to know good and evil. You know what we were supposed to know? We were only supposed to know good. Right? Genesis 131 says that God looked at all that he had made and it was very good. 
That's all we were supposed to know. But because Satan's desire is to lead the whole world astray, he had to start with one. And we question the character of God. We get the, the, the person to look at the world and listen to their message. Our message is all about you. We care about you. We want you to be happy. Whatever you need. You need, a, you, you need an extramarital affair. You need this. You need that. You need that. Listen, we care about you. We want you to have it. And what happens is the knowing and the, the knowing of good and evil becomes our constant companion. And listen, this isn't rocket science, people. Right? So if you're new in this space, if you're new online, new to the land, and you don't know Jesus, listen, this isn't complicated. How many of you, in all of these spaces, how many of you have known the good thing to do, and at times didn't do it anyway? And don't be churchy, raise your hand, right? And how many of you, online, in the land, and here in Orman, how many of you, knowing evil, chose to do it anyway? See, that's the problem with humans knowing good and evil. We were never, ever supposed to have this information. Because humans, with the information of good and evil, at some point will choose what? Evil. You want to know how we got here? You put 8 billion people on the planet and give them the knowledge of good and evil, and guess what's going to happen? What's happening today? What's happening forever? And the reality is it all started with Eve. It started with one question. Is God really good? And Eve looking to the fruit and going, man, that looks really good. That tastes really good. That'll really help me. And now because of that, you and I possess the knowledge of good and evil. And here's what Paul says about it. Paul says, therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, that's Adam, and death came as a result of that sin. And in this way, death came to all men because all what? Listen, we aren't, we aren't dying because Adam and Eve ate the fruit. We're dying because Adam and Eve ate the fruit and now we know good and evil. And at times when we know the good to do, we don't do it. And at times we know the evil we shouldn't do, we do it anyway. Amen, church? Therefore, Paul says, we bring that verse back up, Allison, the one right before it. And in this way, death came to all men because all what? All sin. Listen, how does Satan lead the world astray? It's really simple. The problem is he has led us all astray. We're all sinners and we're all condemned to die. We're all condemned to spend eternity away from God. Listen, you may not like that plan. You may not agree with that plan. But the question is, do you believe in a biblical worldview? Here's what Paul goes on to say to those of us who have sinned and now are in judgment of death. Consequently, just as the result of one trespass was condemnation for all men, so also the result of one act of righteousness was justification that brings life for who? For all men. He goes on to say, for just as through the disobedience of one man, many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, many will be made righteous. The law was added so that trespass or my sins might increase, so I'll be aware of my sinfulness. But where sin increases, grace, everybody say grace, grace increases all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, Grace might reign through the righteousness to bring eternal life through who? Jesus Christ our Lord. How do we get here? Because Satan leads the whole world astray. How does he do it? He gets you to question the character of God. And then he lets the world put their ad campaign right in your face. 
Whatever your flesh wants, whatever your eyes desire, and whatever you need to feel proud about yourself, we're here for you. Don't pay attention to our character. Don't look at our character. Just listen to our message. And because of that, we now walk around with the knowledge of good and evil. Eight billion people presently have no idea how many billions of people before that, but they've all possessed something that we were never intended to have. And because of the knowledge of good and evil, we've all sinned. And now we all need Jesus. So if you're online and you need Jesus, press the button. I have decided. Pastor John and his team will respond to you if you're in the land and you need Jesus. Just go up front at the end of the service and Pastor Ryan will be there for you. And if you're in Ormond, right up here on the right side of the stage, there will be a team up here to help you. But the majority of you already know Jesus. Amen. Listen, how did you get where you're at? How did you get where you're at? Where your marriage is broken. Where your walk with Jesus is just non-productive. It's not getting anywhere. Has there been a time where you've questioned the character of God? And now you've got yourself an extra relationship? Because you love the message of the world, but you still need Jesus? Are you walking hand in hand with the world that says, whatever your flesh wants, whatever your eyes desire, listen, whatever you need for your own wisdom, we'll give that to you. Man, if that's the case, today's the day you need to repent. Today's the day for change. Up here at the left of the stage, there'll be people up here that'll have that with you. Pastor John will, will walk with you through that online and Pastor Ryan will do that in the land. How do we get here, church? Because we have an enemy whose desire is to be God. And to do that, he's got to lead the whole world astray. But God in his grace has given us salvation and righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen, church. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for Jesus. More and more grateful each day for him, the fight that he endured to get us to where we have Savior. Father, I know the struggle personally. So I certainly relate to all humanity's struggle with knowing good and evil. It's a constant fight. So, Father, if there are people in here who are tired of that fight and don't know your son, I pray today would be the day that they would have the courage of conviction to take that step forward. And for those of us that know you, Father, I pray that we'll end our extra relationships with the world. We'll stop being friends with the world. We'll stop communicating hatred towards you and making you our enemy. And we'll simply do the will that you have for us. So, Father, continue to speak to our hearts through this song we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.